Cardology is now presented by Sardine, and I couldn't be more excited. You'll get to meet their founder, Soups, and some of the team later this quarter, and you'll hear a bit more about why they've caught the attention of some of the smartest fraud leaders I know throughout crypto, fintech, financial services, and e-commerce. Thanks again to Sardine for supporting this episode of Fraudology. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to this week's Thursday episode of the Fraudology podcast, where we dive into the science and study of online fraud from the perspective of an e-commerce fraud fighter. I'm Carice Hendrick. Before I dive into today's episode, I just have to say I really hope that you listened to the previous episode in my conversation with Jacqueline Hart on Tuesday. I am such a fan of hers, not just because she is a friend of mine, but also as a fraud fighter. I get to know so many incredible humans who just think spectacularly and on different levels, and I love to learn from them. I think that's a side effect of being a fraud fighter is this insatiable curiosity and wanting to learn from our peers. And that is one of the purposes of this podcast. And I'm so grateful that I can do it. Everyone is rightfully so focused on what is going on in their company and the issues that your company is facing, whether it's from fraud fighters or internally for setting budgets for 2023 and all the other things, you know, preparing for holiday season for retailers. And I know just everyone's underwater right now. This is my way of being able to contribute in a way and help you, know, you all stay in touch with each other and learn from each other and learn from people that you may not have a, a chance to meet otherwise. But I'm a big believer that Everyone in this industry has something to share, and I'm just grateful that I can have this platform to do that. I have really admired Jacqueline's career and tenacity, and as someone who got a pretty front row seat to the biggest challenge in her career that she talked about on Tuesday, I was probably more excited than she was when she got the offer that she did. And if you listened to the episode, you know that my snarkiness came out, and that's not surprise to anyone that knows me well, when she was really having self-doubts and based on the role title and the vagueness of what they could say before she signed employee paperwork, she didn't know what the role was or if she even was qualified. Um, I don't even think fraud was really in the description uh, or trust and safety or anything like that. But she reminded, I forgot that I had said this, but a few months later I was in San Francisco and we met up for dinner and she said, every once in a while, I hear your voice in my head. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. And I said, what does it say? And she said, when, you know, I told you I was doubting if this is something that I could do or was qualified for. You said, what? Are you calling the people at Apple stupid? I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't remember saying that, but that sounds like something I would say. But sometimes those of us in fraud and just humans in general need to be reminded. Um, you know, we need to be given a practical reminder or just a logical reminder from someone with an outside perspective who isn't close to or hearing those voices of doubt in our own heads. I was glad to be that voice for her. And I'm really glad that it all worked out better than she could have imagined at that time. I was so blown away that she was even feeling that way about herself because I see her so differently. I think a lot of us can relate to that in one way or another. And I am just, again, so grateful that she was not only willing, but really happy to share and be vulnerable with the community about one of the hardest times in her career because she knows that a lot of other people are going through struggles or will go through similar. And she wants them to know that it's temporary, you know, and hopefully some of the tips that she provided were 
really good and ones I hadn't really thought of before, especially the questions to ask during an interview. I mean, it's clear that she really thought them through during that time. And she did have a lot of practice trying to just find the right role for her as well as the company that she was right for. And that paid off. But being in Europe, she was sleeping during the day and staying up at night so she could be awake on U.S. hours. So it was quite the time. Fortunately for me, that meant that we could talk on Zoom fairly often because she was awake in my afternoon. But it was just a lot. And it's so awesome to see a friend on the other side of a challenge. And I can speak for myself, but I think a lot of us are like this. I don't think that I always take a minute to stop and think about how I overcame a challenge and where I've been since then. So maybe that's something we can all do. I will do it when I am feeling uncertain, when things are really hard. Think about one of the bigger milestones in my life that I accomplished and be like, okay, well, you got through that and that wasn't easy, so you'll get through this. But I'm not great at finding a stopping point in my journey and saying, wow, six months ago, I wasn't sure how things would work out. And now they have. I think it's important as a lot of us are feeling the stress of so many things, whether it is just the influx of fraud and the consistent. We always love the cat and mouse game, but it is getting a little out of control these days. It feels like things are just really hard right now as I talk to a lot of you and I am going through my own challenges in different ways. Whether it's work-related and you are just overwhelmed with the insane amount of fraud attacks and the volumes and the different tactics being used as well as the technology used against you and all of that, just new and sophisticated tactics in the last two years or whether it's stresses of putting together a budget for 2023 or having to do more with less, which I know a lot of people are feeling. Team management can be tricky sometimes, especially when, you know, a lot of people are having issues, right? And it's hard to leave them all at home. And so I know that both upward management as well as down has been challenging for a lot of people recently. There's just a lot of things going on. And personally, there's a lot too for a lot of people. I don't know. I don't know if this helps. I know that this specific part isn't necessarily fraud related, though I know from talking to all of you that I am not the only one that is just feeling, whew, I've been burning the candle at both ends and I am exhausted. Case in point, it is Tuesday night, basically a day before this episode's going to come out. I don't think I have ever recorded an episode so late. I am so grateful for just the best editors who are so kind and really talented. And while I try really hard to get them episodes of plenty of time for them, they are more than capable to have a one-day turnaround. And I try hard not to take advantage of that. But today is one of those days that needed to happen. Just the last couple of weeks, there's been some personal challenges going on with family members and or a family member. And it's just taking a toll. And there's just a lot of other things that maybe would be relatively small any other time that just they keep piling up. I don't have time to process it all. And it's just a lot. And I've had several deadlines recently that have to stay up till one or two in the morning. And so anyway, I'm not trying to complain. I certainly don't need any way of sympathy. I think I'm sharing this with you, A, so that you can understand that if my voice sounds different, it's because I'm really tired. Some of you are such good listeners that you know. Sometimes I'll get notes. Did you change rooms? Did you change your microphone? Or did you have a cold? So I'm just coming out and saying, I'm tired, but 
you all do such an amazing job of being, of consistently showing up and supporting this podcast. I just posted this week that September was a record-breaking month for us. We have, I don't even remember how much we've grown at least four times in less than a year. But from just August to September, we grew by 33% just by the number of episodes listened to, the number of downloads. So I can't let you down, even if it's not going to be one of my best episodes. I did not have time to put the one or two hours into creating a thoughtful outline about one particular topic to talk about, but I wanted to show up and this is how where I'm at right now. So I hope that you understand and can maybe even appreciate it in a way and know because I know a lot of you are showing up to work very stressed out too. With that, there was one thing you know I was thinking today about a couple different things that I could share that wouldn't make the episode long, wouldn't need a ton of prep time, but would still be enjoyable. And I realized I really don't think I have ever made this analogy before on the podcast. This is something that I used to use as an opener for my keynote speeches for several years, and I would adapt the rest of it based on the topic that was needed. But I think that it's a really good way to think about your mindset around fighting fraud. And I have to give credit where credit is due. This really, actually, this analogy came out of a 2 a.m. conversation in Las Vegas during a conference. Isn't that where all good analogies come from? With just somebody who's extremely smart, has worked in uh, the public sector within the NSA and the CIA, and then went on to cybersecurity and oversaw fraud for a long time for a very large company. Uh, they're now back on the cybersecurity side. But again, like I mentioned with Jacqueline, I, one of the things that I enjoy most about learning from other people is just how their brains work, whether it's because of their different experiences or just their own personal perspective. And this analogy was no different. The other reason why I thought I would share it is because it's now October. And I know that this holiday is not celebrated in every part of the world, but I'm sure you're familiar with Halloween. If it's not celebrated where you are, or if you don't celebrate it, you know, yes, there are reasons why it comes about and all that stuff. But to me, it's about kids dressing up and having fun and getting to be kids for a little bit. And as it's turned October, now that we live in a new neighborhood, because if you've been listening for a while, you know that my family and I moved cities a few months ago. I'm noticing that this neighborhood really loves to decorate for Halloween with scary things outside their house and just ghosts hanging and things like that. It is driving my dog crazy, especially with the skeletons that get buried in yards. It's a thing. They're decorations, but they look like skeletons coming out of the ground. My dog is very perplexed by them and wants to sniff them all and sometimes mark his territory. Did I warn you that when I'm super tired, I get sidetracked even more than usual? But what I was going to share today was this analogy that I first wrote about for Cardinet President. It was my very first article I wrote for them when I first started working with them in October of 2017. And the title of it is Fraud is a Zombie, Not a Dragon. And the reason, like I said, it's really around mindset, right? So I'm going to read part of this article and then the other parts I'm just going to fill in. Sardine is now sponsoring Fraudology. And one of the reasons I've been so impressed by Sardine is their founder, Soups Ranjan. 
You'll hear my full conversation with him in the next few weeks, and you'll get to hear about some of his experiences and his passion for fraud fighting for yourself. But the TLDR, or the high-level summary, is that he started out as a fraud fighter with an engineering and data science background, and he was tasked with quickly identifying a fraud solution for one of the fastest-growing companies in the relatively new and high-risk crypto industry almost a decade ago. But after learning about the available options for online fraud detection, he became frustrated with the existing tools on the market. And as fellow fraud fighters, I think a lot of us know exactly the kind of tools he was frustrated with. The legacy fraud tools that just return a score or a signal or a yes, no, maybe without your team getting to understand all of the aggregated data or the value attributed to each data point that goes into calculating that score or the vendor who won't give you your company's data for your own models and their own user interface was probably an afterthought. And let's be honest, Soup wasn't the only one who's been frustrated by the status quo in fraud technology. But not all of us are able to rage quit our jobs, recruit a few of the smartest risk engineers we've ever known, and go build a fraud platform that is truly built by the fraud squad for the fraud squad. A platform for KYC, AML, and payment risk all in one product that lets the client company decide how to best use the massive amounts of data that's available to them. And that's pretty much exactly what Soups did a few years ago. And the result of those efforts has become one of the fastest growing solution providers in fraud that I've seen in many years. And that company is Sardine. To learn more about Sardine or to book a personalized demo, you can go to www.sardine.ai or just click the link at the top of the description for today's episode. The opening is when it comes to fighting fraud, a lot of companies, especially when first faced with this issue, approach the problem as if they are fighting a dragon. They see fraud as a big, scary animal that can be vanquished once and for all, as long as they don their special armor and arm themselves with the right tools. Once that battle is over, they expect to return to the village as the conquering hero, often thinking that once the large issue is resolved, it's resolved for good. The other things I'd add on this is when you're fighting a dragon, you're fighting it with predictable tools. The same tool that worked in your village, and sorry guys, it's a little mythical, but you know, the same, oftentimes the same tools that worked the last time a dragon came to the village or was threatening civilization will work this time. Go out, you slay the dragon, you come back, you go back to your regular job. You go back to what you were doing. And yeah, your whole village celebrates you because of this job that you did in saving them. But in reality, fighting fraud is a lot more like fighting zombies. And I'll go back to reading a little bit more. So while armor is important, they can attack you from all sides, anywhere that you're vulnerable. And many times they find this vulnerability before you do. If you prefer to fight zombies rather than a dragon, one weapon will not be enough. You need a variety, sometimes picking up anything and everything you have to defend yourself. Because unlike having only one beast to battle, zombies keep coming forever. And once the first set of monsters is taken down, another group arises, a bit mutated and more adapted to the single tools and approach that worked so well previously. And perhaps the biggest difference of this is that there will be no ticker tape parade when you return to your village. If you have the time and the wherewithal to do, it's a continuous and thankless job, but one that you know needs to be done to protect your people. I have, over the years, added on to both of those in different ways. The comparison of 
fighting fraud like it's a dragon and fighting fraud like it's a zombie. But I think that really what it comes down to is your mindset. Oftentimes, you know, especially when a company first gets fraud, they think, okay, well, we'll take care of this and then we'll move on. But no, you need to prepare with someone in there permanently. I have lost count with how many merchants I've worked with who uh, will hire me and not have anyone in fraud prevention or in payments for that matter. But usually fraud prevention is the number one need. And about halfway through working with them, they're like, oh, I see why we need someone full time to work for us. Sometimes there's an offer made to me, which is so kind. Other times not. Other times they know and just ask, you know, who do you know? And I'll often help with job descriptions that are specific and all that. But I also see it all the time. A company adds one position and they think we may not have enough for them to do. And within three months, they're adding on team members. This happens all the time because... Fraud is continually multiplying and it's changing. And once you have someone looking at it within your company, they're going to find more than you knew about. And also, and I've said this before, I think, but bad actors find ways to monetize the services and products that your companies provide. They're not going to go away overnight. They've already built up a customer base to purchase your services or your products. They've already built up a profile on a third-party website or marketplace or something else locally for them or however that they choose to fence physical items or sell digital items. And they're not going away quickly. They now have people, they have demand, they need supply. They know that you have the supply, so they're going to find a way in. And so really, I mean by this analogy and why I thought it was so smart, and yes, I was part of the conversation, but like I said, the Other guy in my mind gets the credit for starting it. And then we just kept building on it and building on it. But because, you know, again, that's what you do at 2A in Vegas. I don't know what anyone else does. I'm kidding. Actually, now that I'm much older, it's been like 10 years since then. I sleep usually at that point. But I think that what my goal of sharing this analogy in various conferences and in this article that often will get reprised on CNP sometime around Halloween, you know, the whole zombie dragon thing goes with it, is that you need to approach the fraud fight like it's going to be a never-ending battle with a whole bunch of zombies. They're going to morph, they're going to adapt, they're going to keep coming at you. It's going to be harder and harder to beat them, but it's your calling, it's your duty, it's what you can do to save your people, so to speak. Otherwise, if you're just setting yourself up Or if you're just looking at it as fighting one thing, you're setting yourself up for difficult conversations when fraud continues, even after all your efforts. And oftentimes the result of that is more fraud losses and the need to realign your strategy. So that's why it's important to look at your current fraud issues like, okay, this is going to be a reoccurring problem that needs several different types of tools and processes to catch those zombies. We're not just thinking about what are we seeing now, but what are we going to see when these current tools or processes, uh, systems, data analysis, et cetera, when those don't work anymore, when they find other vulnerabilities. Oftentimes these days, they're going back to the old days, right, with check fraud and calling and social engineering and all that because they're always going for the path of least resistance. So if you're always focused on one area, you're going to lose sight of other areas. But also, if you're not thinking about, okay, I, we need to fight this current fight, but what's going to happen in two or three phases, you know, after they've morphed a little bit and they've really understood your business and just continually looking for vulnerabilities and testing your systems. And to me, that's the way that you should approach fraud because 
you can't just think about what you're seeing today. You need to consider what will be coming down in months and years, et cetera, especially because if you need to get a new tool or add something new or switch something out within your data, your risk stack, or whether it's people or whether it's humans, whether it's adding different tools, those type of things, then that's something oftentimes that we have to plan for. It's really an unfair battle because the bad actors, they don't have budgets. They don't have internal politics for the most part. They don't have to ask for things from other departments and wait for prioritization and all of that. And they don't have to think about implementation timelines and security reviews and just all of those things. But they have to worry about a lot of other things. So it's not like I'm saying it's all good on that side. Don't get me wrong. But I do think that it's just it's a better approach to think about this is going to be an ongoing issue. So how do we prepare for the long term and not just the short term? And I have to say out of the fraud leaders that I know, the ones who I think really know their stuff the most are the ones who are focused on long term strategy and you bringing in solutions and processes and the different positions for the people on their team that are going to continue to help their department grow and be able to adapt to the bad actors that they're seeing. So I hope that you appreciated the analogy. If you are about to call me the Khaleesi or the Carisi of fraud, that unfortunately has already been said. <laughs> Ironically, I don't watch Game of Thrones or much other things mythical and, and fantasy. However, my husband does and as does our teenager. She really enjoys that with him. I learn enough to build out an analogy and that's about it. I think I'm going to end it here. I know that I could ramble for a long time, but I'm not really sure that you could follow it forever. But I just, I really appreciate all of you listening. I hope that this was helpful and light. Typically, I'm recording like 45, 50 minutes on Thursdays. And even my producer is like, that is way more than you need to do. So Maybe you guys like these 25-minute episodes. I don't know. But we do have a survey out now for listeners to Fraudology, and I've posted it on my LinkedIn. I'm going to include a link in the show notes to this episode. Would love to hear your feedback. Sometimes I feel like I'm just shooting in the dark and hoping that it's a topic that you all will enjoy and appreciate. So I have been excited and looking forward to this opportunity to be able to do that. There's also an opportunity to... Let me know if you are interested in talking about being a guest on Fraudology for 2023, as well as there are going to be some new sponsorship opportunities. There's some other questions in there, too, that'll probably make you go, huh, what's Carice up to? You're smart. You'll, it won't take two years, but I am working to uh, build out Fraudology as something that really is part of this community and something that can really be helpful to all of you. And I need your help to do that. So with that. I am going to look forward to speaking with you more next week. I really hope that I am more well-rested and a little less stressed, and I hope that you will be too. I'll talk to you soon. again to Sardine for sponsoring this episode of Fraudology and for supporting information sharing and collaboration across the fraud fighter ecosystem. You can learn more about the team and their mission at Sardine via the link in today's episode description.